The craftsmen made beautiful, sacred garments of blue, purple, and scarlet cloth. Clothing for Aaron to wear while ministering in the holy place, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The cloth and the garment is special because God commanded it. God gave instructions and God commanded them to wear it while they're ministering. Anybody can get a cloth, a garment. They can try to match this, but it's not holy. Aaron had to be sanctified. He had to be worthy to wear that garment. Not the other way around. And so everything God gives us, we have to prove ourselves to be worthy. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, that we should walk worthy of the calling that he has given us. In the New Living Translation, Ephesians 4, 1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Paul is writing by the Spirit of God, I beg you, I'm, I'm pleading with you, please lead a life Worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. This high priest Aaron and his sons and all the people will be priests. Called by God. Are supposed to be worthy of that calling. The job that God gave them to do. To be worthy and fit. Paul the Apostle knew by his training as a Pharisee his former life all of this to the details notice the garment that we are supposed to be worthy of is Jesus Christ put on Christ but how do you work that out is it some kind of saying that's abstract it's very concrete verse 2 in Ephesians 4 once he says you lead a life worthy of your calling. You've been called what? A kingdom of priests? How do you do this? How do you walk worthy? Always be humble. How soon we can forget. How soon we can trip up. How the devil can push the buttons. All of a sudden we find ourselves not being humble. At that point we're not worthy of wearing that garment of Christ. But we can be again. I say, Lord... Is one thing I hate. Is what you hate, and you hate pride, arrogancy, haughty look, haughty eyes, evil. I don't want any part of it, Jesus. Take away pride, Lord. Burn me up, Lord, until nothing is seen except you. How are we supposed to be worthy like the priests in the kingdom of God under the new covenant? Always be humble, but also gentle how many times can we look over our lives and say I really can't say I was gentle over here or there or humble over here but I want to change I want to be worthy I want to lead a life that the apostles pleading by the spirit of God worthy of your calling because God has been calling you God has called you what else the priests had an ephod, which we'll read about, a sleeveless garment, a vest of types to go over the robe, every part. And the New Testament, the Holy Spirit says, put up the old garment, the flesh. The old man with this deceitful, corruptible nature. Put it off, because God has given you the power to be free from that. Don't go back to it. As the dog returns to the vomit, he said, leave the vomit. Come with me. Put on Christ. The priests had garments to put on, holy, sacred garments. They had to be worthy of that. We have to walk worthy 
of the name of Christ. Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from sin, the Bible says. What else? Be humble, Ephesians 4.2. Be gentle. Be patient. What a difference when you see a Christian in the store when everybody else is extremely impatient because something's delaying the service they're supposed to get. And instead of joining that crowd, the Christian is composed praying, knowing that God is in full control. There's a holy distinction right there. Humble, gentle, patient. This is how a priest in the New Covenant is supposed to be alike. Be patient with who? All by myself? With each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Not to say condone sin. That's not the case at all. The Bible says very clearly, call sin out when you see it. You don't want the camp to be defiled. you got to get rid of that thing. It's a disease. But you show love when somebody's repentant. When somebody doesn't want to hurt people, but they're in prison. Be patient with them. The whole context is, do you know how patient God was with you? That settles it right there. If we can just understand even a little bit of how greatly God has handled us, how graciously. He's been so patient and humble and gentle with us. He's been meek. So we ought to watch ourselves that we don't hammer people with our agenda. We rather tell them the truth without compromise, but with love, with patience. As I often say, how do you reconcile these things? How do you tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Don't compromise the truth, which is as a sword. It'll cut away evil. At the same time, be a healing agent. The answer is the Holy Spirit will form Christ in us perfectly if we yield ourselves to Him. If we say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. Lord, I keep being lopsided, one extreme or the other. I want to be loving, but then I end up compromising the truth. I want to tell the truth, but then I seem to be not so gracious. Oh, God, help me. If we really want to follow Jesus in his footsteps and really want to put on Christ, we need to ask the Lord, Oh, Father, may the divine personality be expressed in me exactly as you are. The more we long for that and the more we come to God, He will make us the priest that is able to do what? Sympathize with other people's faults and weaknesses and yet stand as an overcomer to show them the way. Too many people sympathize without showing clearly the standard and living by the standard. And so we have a whole crew of people living in the leprosy together, never coming out. That's not God's will. God's will is to bring us out and lead other people out in love and in truth. Verse 3, Ephesians 4, 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. That means that every brother and sister will be on the alert for that serpent who will come to do what? Breed suspicion. Bad mouth. Wrongly judge. Come to cause dissension. But rather do what? Overlook. Comfort. Forgive. Be patient. Be humble. To know that this is my brother. This is my sister. They may look different on the outside, but we have the same DNA. Because we have one Father. One Lord. Hallelujah. Make every effort to do what? Maintain peace. Unified in the Spirit. Bind yourselves together with peace. 
For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. Again and again and again we hear one, 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 one. He's saying there's no division. Division only comes when the devil comes in. But when we are united in the truth of God and the love of God, we won't see ourselves as different from our brother or sister. But as a member of a body is attached to the body, no one looks at a hand and says, you don't belong to me. Or an ear and say, where did you come from? Native to me, it belongs to me. I'm one with myself and my body. That's how tightly fitted the body of Christ should be. But it goes back to having that garment as the priest under the Old Covenant was so carefully wearing that, having been prescribed exactly what to wear with the breastplate, with the precious stones representing Israel, the tribes and everything and holiness unto the Lord written on top of that crown or the mitre or the turban. You see what the Lord has been showing us in Exodus as He has graciously directed us to the book. He has done it. We are the tabernacle of God and His dwelling is within us and He's getting ready to do glorious things beyond what we've ever seen. Do you know Israel never saw the glory of God like that come into his tabernacle? They saw on top of Mount Sinai, but now with all the holiness and splendor and awesomeness of God, he's saying, I want to live with you. Not just be on a mountain where you can see, but I want to be right in the midst of your family. Oh, hallelujah. But you need to know something. You have to walk worthy. How? I'll give you the worth. You can't clean yourself up. You can't make yourself worthy unless I make you worthy. But when I make you worthy with my precious blood, as Aaron was consecrated with the blood of the sacrifice, with the holy anointing oil, we have the blood of the Lamb of God and the Holy Spirit's anointing. Now God says, just as to the priest, make sure you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do that. You know why? Because you lose your anointing, you lose your call. You will not be allowed to wear those garments nor minister in front of me. You see how the devil is after your call and your anointing? No wonder the Lord says, don't do this, don't do that. Watch out. You're not a common person in this world. You know where the world is headed? Down the steep cliff. Like those 2,000 or so swine into whom the demons entered and they rushed to suicide into the water. That's how the world is headed. God so loved you that he took you out from that mess. And he has a grand purpose for you. He gives us royal garments. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new family. He gives us an inheritance. We are rich beyond measure through the Lord Jesus Christ. This tabernacle had priests to minister within it. And these priests had particular vestments, garments to wear. After verse 4, Exodus 39, the craftsmen made beautiful, sacred garments of blue, purple, and scarlet cloth. Remember, underneath was that linen, the white, the tabernacle, curtains, blue, heaven, purple, royalty, or king, scarlet, blood, humanity, white, purity. 
the same order we, we mentioned before. Speaking of God coming to tabernacle with man in the person of Christ, right there in the tabernacle. In the Old Testament we see the foreshadow. Out of heaven blue comes the king purple to shed his blood scarlet to make me white, pure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how sacred your garment is, God says. Now don't you defile it. Keep it clean. Because you're going to wear that when you get to heaven. We don't want to be like that guest in the wedding with no wedding garment. We want to be a person who has a proper attire because it's a royal function for eternity. Not just for one night. To live tabernacle with God. After this, clothing for the priests with similar colors. After the tabernacle construction, with all that we've read, in the same vein, the colors, these beautiful colors, with the symbolism, rich, unveiled in the New Testament, the clothing for Aaron to wear while doing service in the house of God. Exactly as the Lord commanded Moses. It wasn't Moses' idea. Moses didn't say, well, I've been thinking. As I sat up there in the mountain, I had these visions and I thought, maybe Aaron can wear this. and There was no human planning here. It was exactly as he received it from who? God Almighty. How wonderful our lives would be if every decision were brought to the living God in deep, diligent, devoted prayer. Father, this is what they say. This is what I think. This is what he feels and this is what I feel. But what do you say, Lord? I'm only here to do what you say. Thank you, Lord. How we need God's counsel in critical times especially. When we don't know what to do. Oh my God. You're still on the throne in your soul. Still with me. God will guide us. He leads the blind a path that they do not know. Unfamiliar territory. Who's able to go through and take us through unfamiliar paths? The light. Lord God Almighty. Before whom the night is as the day. Bezalel made the ephod this vest that went over the robe of finely woven linen and embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. You see, gold. He's going to go into the holy place. The most holy place. The materials transform into more costly, more precious as we get closer to the presence of God. We give our best for the Lord. Once again, the Lord brings that up. Am I giving my very best to Him? Oh Lord, Oh, Lord. David said, I won't give the Lord what doesn't cost me. I'm going to give my very best to him. We are royal priesthood, holy nation, special treasure. God sees you. He sees heavenly gold. He sees white garments with no blemish in Christ the only way we can get it dirty is if we are not careful but if we're careful we can actually go from one place to another with white garments without any blemish whatsoever if we're careful but if we're not the slightest thing can defile it it will be glaring because it's against the white background. God is good. 
he sees us as treasure. He made gold thread by hammering out thin sheets of gold and cutting it into fine strands. With great skill and care, he worked it into the fine linen with the blue, purple, and scarlet thread. How exquisite. How beautiful. Real gold right into the garment. We have these Indian garments called saris that the women wear, used to wear, especially in time past. I believe it was my mother and perhaps other people's tradition also, but when she got uh, engaged, or for the marriage reception, it was a gold sari. And they can do this. They can beat out gold and make it into thin sheets and strands and put it into their garment. How beautiful. God doesn't do things cheap. God values his children very, very highly. Who are we? The lowest of the low that he should highly esteem us. Hallelujah. He's regarded us. Do we regard him? Are we about ourselves? Are we still concerned about us and not so much about God's name? Shouldn't it be the other way around? That, Lord, you are so precious. I don't want anything, Lord, in my life that would dishonor you, oh, Father. I'm living for you because you died for me. The ephod consisted of two pieces, front and back, joined at the shoulders with two shoulder pieces. Verse 5, the decorative sash was made of the same materials, finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. And of course, the priest had the linen white garment underneath it all. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, they mounted the two onyx stones in settings of gold filigree. The stones, this is very detailed work, the stones were, or intricate design, the stones were engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel, just as a seal is engraved. What is he carrying? He's carrying tremendous responsibility. Tremendous privilege. That's exactly what God does for every believer. He's counted as responsible, and so he's put the treasure of Christ within us. Now he says, be responsible. I'm counting you as responsible. I'm counting on you. Will you do what I told you to do? I've counted you worthy, so I gave you this talents. The talents meaning his treasure. Now, can I count on you to do what I expect you to do with it? Or are you going to go do your own thing? We don't want to lose anything God has given us. He says, to whom much is given, much is required. And also, the Lord Jesus said, he that hath, more shall be given. But the one who doesn't have, in other words, he has defiled it, trashed it treated it cheap. Even that which he seems to have will be taken away. He fastened these stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a reminder that the priest represents the people of Israel. It wasn't just the fancy clothing, I'm going to be a priest, I'm going to be a leader. Why, I'm next to Moses. Everybody's going to see me. And even Moses can't enter and do what I'm going to do. And so I have a nice suit. Looks good. It fits the bill, right? It's distinct and it's beautiful. There's a responsibility with that uniform, so to speak. There's a function. It's not for me to get caught up with the garment and admire the garment that I have it. But I have to do 
what the garment represents, which is I'm a priest now. Aaron's case, a high priest. I'm supposed to intercede for the people and be careful before God that I myself am worthy and continue to be worthy to do God's work. Lord, it's not a career or profession or hobby. Sacred calling. Not the calling that the people talk about. Remember in education, studying to be a teacher. There are many, many pieces written about, well, the calling of a teacher. You're called. I feel called. And all sorts of people who know nothing about God talking about a calling. and Maybe not confuse that with this calling here. This calling is from heaven to be holy. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Every single individual in the body of Christ has been called out of the world of darkness with a holy calling where we have the joy of living in the presence of God as the high priest and the priests were. Bezalel, or Bezalel made the chest piece with great skill. This breast uh, piece and care. He made it to match the ephod using finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue and purple and scarlet thread. Unlike the curtains there in the tabernacle, you see the introduction of the gold again and again. You see that in this breastplate also, similar colors, beginning with the gold. He made the chest piece, or the breastplate of a single piece of cloth, folded to form a pouch nine inches square. They mounted four rows of gemstones on it. Can you imagine someone reading this before? Uh, the age of technology in which we live and all of these drawings and materials we have available on the internet and books and media. Uh, a person in some log cabin like Abraham Lincoln taught by his grandmother the word of God early. And he said, that's the only book I read for a long time. No wonder it affected his presidency so much that he kept quoting the scriptures. A house divided cannot stand. So many things from the Lord Jesus that people mistakenly ascribed to Abraham Lincoln as the originator, but it came from the Lord. He learned it as a little child. Imagine someone like him or someone in a village or even you or me. That's all we have. No diagrams, no nothing. But as we read, we can form this picture that God has intended for us to form. However dim to begin with because of our position as a novice reading the Word of God initially. But we see the description. There's a vest over a robe and then the breastplate. And Oh, now he says there are rows and there's a square pouch there nine inches and the gemstones and God has detailed it so we can read it and know it how many of us have gone to church and been Christians for years I can tell you the church that I attended happened to be a liberal church I didn't know I was taken there but soon the spirit of God stirred me up and I saw as a teenager something terribly wrong over here they're talking about community service and building homes for the homeless in Brownsville or Bedford-Stuyvesant. This white minister who was with the civil rights movement and a noble person by society standard. Working hard to build homes and when God is doctorate and in the seminary and doing all sorts of things, local TV and preaching always positive things and keep on keeping on and we read the word now and then but not too much of the word more of what people want to hear what do I see in the local paper he supports abortion 
He believes that people should be given the choice to be gay if they want, and there's nothing wrong with it. Unity of this and unity of that. We are called to stand out and know the truth. It's a holy calling. Representing God to the people. We're making sure we're worthy of that calling. God has given us a holy garment to wear. Going to church, never knowing this, probably from the age of seven or eight to about 18 or 19, all those years, never once heard anything about this, other than maybe read it hastily in some portion of scripture as a formality during the service. That too, no recollection of ever reading this. What did God give this for? And how you've been robbed and I've been robbed by so-called ministers and churches never taking the time to explain the word of God and that too. There are churches that will go verse by verse but no concept of what holiness is. That's what it meant to convey. It means to convey. First of all, the content and then the meaning, the application for our lives. We are privileged this morning to hear the Word of God as it is from a very crucial book in the whole Bible because this book foreshadows the redemption that Jesus brought to us and so many other things. They mounted four rows of gemstones on it. The first row contained a red carnelian. If we don't know what it is, we can go look it up. The color is given. A pale green peridot. And an emerald. We've heard of emeralds. The second row, you see three per row for each of the divisions and the tribes. The second row contained the turquoise. A blue lapis lazuli. Lazuli. And a white moonstone. The third row contained an orange jacinth. An agate and a purple amethyst. The fourth row contained a blue-green barrel. How beautiful. An onyx and a green jasper. All these stones were set in gold filigree. Each stone represented one of the twelve sons of Israel. And the name of that tribe was engraved on it like a seal. A permanent fixture that God is watching over every person in Israel. and Every tribe. Who bears this before God today? The Lord Jesus Christ, our High Priest. He brings your name up to the Father. It's written, He ever lives to make intercession for who? The saints. Every member of His body. He brings the name before the Father. We have a High Priest that's better. We read in Hebrews as we studied that book recently. Far better, far more superior than any prophet, priest, or king. We have God himself representing us to God himself. The Lord said unto my Lord, Psalm 110 begins, how beautiful God is. Glory be to God. He loves us that much. He's intimately concerned about you. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. All of us should memorize that in Psalm 138. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. He loves me. He has a plan. He will work out every plan of His for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. We don't have that kind of Ending remark, as believers, we have the greatest assurance 
under the new covenant, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Not that he would have done that before, but we have far more intimate communion and understanding. Let no believer ever say, Lord, please don't leave me. That's not his intent at all, unless we leave him. As long as we abide in him, we have ultimate security. These stones were also found in the foundation of the New Jerusalem. We can read in Revelation. Beautiful stones. It was not just for the 15th century B.C. to inaugurate this and continue for centuries. But in eternity, oh, God has precious beautiful stones and precious metals that we've never seen. It's in another plane altogether, another dimension. But he describes it so we can comprehend it as best as we can. We are headed for glory. If you know you've got a passport and a ticket to take you out of that dunghill, the gutter, and you're going to live in a palace, how would you feel? You have time to trifle and defile yourself with foolishness knowing that I'm, I'm going to be there. In a palace, everything's going to be different. I'm leaving the slums. I'm not going to be crowding my suitcase with pieces of garbage. I'm going to a palace. Everything's new. I'm going to get everything I need when I get there. Glory be to God. Except the differences with us as believers. The analogy fails in this respect. We have an earnest. Hallelujah. We have a deposit, which is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God within a believer, it says in Romans, cries out saying, Abba, Father, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be with you. I'm reading in this wonderful book, as Pilgrim said in Pilgrim's Progress. Things are being revealed to me by the evangelist. But what's in this holy book? I've got to have this. I'm headed for the celestial city. I'm no longer part of this anti-God system. God has ripped me away from that. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm going home. Not just death. But glory, as every believer, whether by death or by rapture, will enter into heaven. We're headed to our heavenly home. If we have such a palace that we're going to, if we have a king and a father that we will see face to face, how awesome God's face is. The Bible says, terrible was the face of the angel. The word terrible there means awesome, fearful. If that's how some of the angels look, terrifying, where Daniel could hard, hardly even live, and John felt at the very appearance of Jesus, how will it be when we see him and live with him face to face? I, I don't know. I don't know the expression. People say, it's going to be full of love, but we must remember, He's God. He's awesome. Altar there. That fear of God will keep us safe. But when we downplay that, disregard that, and pervert that, and try to do away with that, and say, Jesus is love, we're going to see love. When I get to heaven, I'm going to see love. And I'm going to be hugging Jesus and I'm going to... Yes. If John could lean upon Jesus' chest on earth while they were reclining in the fellowship at dinner. You think we can't hug God when we get to heaven? Have the most intimate, beautiful relationship. Oh, hallelujah. At the same time, 
It's an awesome God. You see the conveyance of that in the tabernacle? You see the conveyance of that in the priesthood? You see the conveyance of that in the glory that came down? That he said, I want to be among you, but remember I'm holy, so these things are off limits. What? You can't bring unclean to me. You got to leave that to come to me. But I want you to come to me. Do you want to come to me? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. They tied the two gold cords to the rings on the chest piece. Verse 18, they tied the other ends of the cords to the gold settings on the shoulder pieces of ephod. Exodus 39:19. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the inside edges of the chest piece next to the ephod. Let this play out in your mind, asking God's help. And then you can look at diagrams that are available on the internet, Christian bookstores. Absolutely fascinating, but not just merely fascinating to the curious observer or to the diligent student of history, design, uh, rock, or gem enthusiast. But it's absolutely powerful for our lives because it is the truth of God. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the inside edges of the chest piece next to the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the front of the ephod, this vest, sleeveless garment, over the robe, below their shoulder pieces, just above the knot where the decorative sash was fastened to the ephod. Remember, this is the garment of the high priest and the priests also. And you are a priest unto God. God gives the very best to signify His glory upon your life. Glory be to God. They attached the bottom rings of the chest piece to the rings on the ephod with blue cords. In this way, the chest piece was held securely to the ephod above the decorative sash. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Have you ever consulted the Lord? Lord, what school should I send my child or my young teenager or adolescent to? Lord, how do you want me to run my life and how do you want it beautified, Lord? How can I have your glory in all of my life, in my finances, in my decisions, in my marriage, in my career? I want your glory. I want your touch. I want your direction, Lord. Lord, I'm thinking to buy this furniture. Lord God, I know you give the best. I know you give it for less if I ask you. But I want your will. Have you ever prayed that way? Lord, I want to get this bicycle for my child. Direct my steps to get the best that is in your perfect will. Lord, I want to get this done and that done and go before me. Lord, we're going to get a, have a family get together and we're going to have some friends and we're going to do this. Father in heaven, lead us. Lead us, Lord, as to the manner, the place, the time. We want to go by you, not by what we feel like and what they want. What is your will? And Lord, we want to have it conductive so it's productive, it's fruitful. You see? The entire calling, the leading, the purpose, the function why not have God's glory in all of it? But it takes someone to come to Him in the tabernacle, in the way prescribed, holily, humbly, believing, having faith. And God will do that. He will decorate your life and beautify it in every area. God's glory will be upon your life. Even going to the supermarket. You can say, Lord, direct my steps, protect me. But not just protect me top to bottom, side to side, front to back, my vehicle. I pray that none of the groceries fall out the back. But Lord, I thank you for blessing me. Nothing will be taken for granted. Oh, my Father, help us to buy what you want us to buy and to be grateful and rejoice in you. We know you give the best. You see the combination. It's not, help us to go safely and 
come back safely and get what you want us to get. And um, Lord, even if it's not up to standard, we'll be grateful. Thank you, Lord. You know, God treats his people. He said, I carried you on eagle's wings. He didn't come and say, now I have a piece of property here where the Arabs live and I'm going to carve out something by this broken down cistern there and you got a couple of fields and acres you can probably produce some stuff and live off of that. And um, Well, don't grumble and complain if your clothes wear out, okay? Just be happy that I've given you something. I have to go to number two over here, or number three. I don't have a whole lot of time to waste and babysit you. Not at all. He said, I have gone ahead of you to scout out and look for a land flowing with milk and honey. The best of the best. Oh, hallelujah. Doesn't that say something about how God feels about you? He's given you Christ. Eternal Canaan. Everything. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus. How should we walk? Worthy of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Beautify my life, Lord, with your presence, with your glory, with your holiness. The holy women of old, such as Sarah, it's written, adorned themselves, not simply with jewelry. They had that. God made jewelry. He made the precious metals. There's a time and place to use everything God has given. But their beauty came from within. How? in their humility, in their obedience, in their purity. That's the glory of God in a person's life. If the inside of the cup is clean, everything else is fine, Jesus said. I'll still be clean too. If my heart is right, then all the issues of life are settled. So you see, the whole crux of the matter is the priest has got to be worthy. He's got to have the Spirit of God not to reject or defile Lose the anointing. Make sure you hold on to that. Bezalel made the robe that is worn with the ephod from a single piece of blue woven cloth. Verse 22, Exodus 39. With an opening for Aaron's head in the middle of it. The opening was reinforced with a woven collar so it would not tear. God thinks of everything, doesn't he? They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attach them to the hem of the robe. That's why it's wise to consult the Lord for everything, because he knows everything, and he takes care of everything. The problem comes when we try to play God and try to be a coordinator with God, and even advise God. That's where the problem comes in. But to be like a child, not a childish person, but a child at heart, to say, Father, please direct my steps this day. Lord, do you mean for me to have full joy and zeal and a sense of purpose and accomplishment only on Tuesdays? Lord, am I supposed to light up on Sunday only? Is it wrong to come to you every day and say, I want your glory to be manifest, O oh God? Oh, your presence, Lord, even though I'm a human being, even though, Lord, I'm still being perfected. Even though I still have trials and tribulations in this world. Not only am I called to weather it, I'm called to rise above it by the glory of God. So I want your presence, my God. Oh, Father, help me. And we pray for one another. Jesus, encourage my brother. Jesus, encourage my sister. Lord, help them, Lord, to soar like eagles. They made pomegranates of blue purple and scarlet yarn and attached them to the hem of the robe. Verse 25, they also made bells of pure gold and placed them between the pomegranates along the hem of the robe. How beautiful. How orderly. How precise and perfect. With bells and pomegranates alternating all around the hem. Can you imagine that? What a beautiful sight. This robe was to be worn whenever the priest ministered before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made tunics for Aaron and his sons from fine linen cloth. The turban and the special head coverings were made of fine linen, and the undergarments were also made of finely 
woven linen. The sashes were made of finely woven linen. It's understood that linen is white and embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Not only the Lord Jesus, but the priest, every Christian, yes, you and me, born from above in heaven, born again, given a royal calling because we're sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have the blood of Jesus shed, having washed us from every filthiness. Hallelujah. Only a fountain from heaven can cleanse us to the core, from the inside out. We've been made pure, white. Finally, they made the sacred medallion, the badge of holiness, of pure gold. They engraved it like a seal with these words. Holy to the Lord or holiness unto the Lord. Right there at the top. God is above. The first thing he sees is, this person is consecrated to me. They're fit to stand before me and serve me. If not, they're out of my presence. Do you understand how dangerous it is to come to God being unholy? And how God has mercifully kept us alive to teach us, don't be like that, don't be like that, don't be like that. Leave that lifestyle. Leave that unholiness. Leave that pettiness, wickedness, malice and leaven. If you do, my glory will come upon you. Shekinah glory of God will fall upon you. Peter says, the glory of God will rest upon those who continue to do good and suffer faithfully when being mistreated. How applicable all of this is to us as believers. How symbolic, how precise in the exact disposition we must have as holy people. Right there on that turban, that mitre or that crown. Holiness unto the Lord. I'm coming to God on the basis of the holiness that God has given me through the blood of the Lamb of God. I've not gone back to the dogs. Hallelujah. I'm holy to the Lord. They attached the medallion with a blue cord to Aaron's turban, just as the Lord commanded Moses. And so, at last, the tabernacle was finished. The Israelites had done everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And they brought the entire tabernacle to Moses. The sacred tent. Notice how God keeps repeating the parts of the tabernacle, that's how important it is. How is it that I went to church as a little boy and up into my teenage years? Never, ever understood. I did read it for myself, by the grace of Almighty God. And as a senior in high school or a junior, I got the Bible on sale on the street. I saw a study, Oxford Study Bible. And I knew I had to get it. What a bargain. A $30 study Bible back in 1990 or so, 1988, thereabouts. I said, I know the price of that thing. That's the Bible. That's a study Bible. I need to know. How much do you want for it? Five or ten dollars? I'll take it. That entire year, I read the whole Bible cover to cover. It touched my heart. God did something. And I was fascinated reading this, but I didn't understand it. I didn't go back to it the way I should have. Wasn't taught at church either. What a treasure! The sacred tent with all its furnishings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. You can ask some Christians, they'll tell you all about their house. This is where that beam is, that's where that goes, and I can tell you the inside out, every part of construction, and there may be a career person with that, but the tabernacle of God, huh? They're talking about tabernacle. Oh, you're talking about something from way back in Moses' time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I know they had this thing that's supposed to be like a temple and portable. And the sacred tent with all its furnishings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ten coverings of tanned ramskins and fine goatskin leather, the inner curtain to shield the ark, the ark of the covenant and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, the place of atonement, the table and all its utensils, the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand with its symmetrical lamp cups, all its accessories and the olive oil for lighting, the gold altar, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the sacred tent, the bronze altar, the bronze grating and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin with its stand. We went over this in detail repeatedly. Here's a summary. The curtains for the walls of the courtyard. What is the purpose of this? Inspection. To make sure Moses had to prove under God everything's done just right. The curtains for the walls of the courtyard. How is your life? Is it open to inspection? Is it up to inspection? Will it pass the inspection? When God comes, one greater than Moses, Christ over his own house, looks over my life, will he find thoughts that are not right? Attitudes that are not right? Actions and words that are not in keeping with my calling whatsoever? Holiness unto the Lord. A church that is full of holy people will be set ablaze by God and the society in which that church lives will be transformed. God's calling is to build up his body first and foremost in holiness. The devil only fears holy people. He doesn't fear bookworms who can recite the Bible, even quote scriptures. There has to be the anointing the Spirit of God working in a person's life. And he's terrified. Hallelujah. And we do what? Build the tabernacle of the church of God. Faithful people, loyal people who volunteer and step forward. What needs to be done here? I'm available. It's a privilege. It's a high calling. Hallelujah. I'm doing it unto the Lord. I'm doing it so God can come in our midst. And they gave willingly everything. Their service, their treasure, their hearts. That's why the glory fell into their midst from heaven to light up their territory. The curtains for the walls of the courtyard, verse 40 of Exodus 39. The posts and their bases, the curtains for the entrance of the courtyard, the ropes and the tent pegs, all the furnishings to be used in worship at the tabernacle. The beautifully stitched garments for the priests to wear while ministering in the holy place. The sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. We have such a calling today, beloved, that the garment that God gave you when you got born again, the garment of righteousness, holiness, is never to be put off. Constantly worn and constantly inspected. Keeping our hearts right so we can keep that garment on. With a beautiful freedom not a paranoia that I may fall a supreme confidence that comes because I really love God the Lord said he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness never but will have the light of life I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life it's impossible. As I was meditating on the scripture yesterday, it's impossible 
it's impossible to follow Christ and have any darkness in our lives. Impossible. The moment we embrace darkness, we are no longer following Christ. Because it's impossible to follow Christ and be involved in darkness. Lying, stealing, adultery, abusing one's body, abusing other people. It's impossible. Because that's not the direction that Christ walks. He only walks in a path of righteousness. If we're doing wrongness, so to speak, we're not following righteousness or rightness. God is right. He's true. He's perfect. The path that he walks is only holy and right. So any person that claims to know Christ and love Christ and is caught up in things that Christ has no part with and that's not the direction he's walking, they're not following him. Because it's impossible to follow him and be involved in sin. Didn't he say that? He said it. Whoever follows me shall never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the people of Israel, the people of Israel, followed all of the Lord's instructions to Moses, Exodus 39, 42. And Moses inspected all their work. What a, what a day. What a crowning day. After all that labor. After all the instructions that God so painstakingly conveyed to Moses. Very precisely. To bless the people. Anytime God gives us instruction or repeats something. is not to wear us out. Sometimes human parents may do. Or human beings to another person. Just continually maybe nag and wear them out with that. But God, he never does that. If he says something once, it's important. Very important. If he says something twice, all the more important. If he says something three times or four times or five times, he's speaking to you over and over again. It's a warning that he may not speak again because he's speaking so much and you haven't responded. But if I embrace it, I say, Lord, I love it. Oh, my heart delights in the wisdom of God. I can't wait to hear more. I'm daily at his gates waiting for the wisdom from God. And I want to hear it over and over and over again because it will keep me safe. What person in his or her right mind would say, Oh, do I have to eat again today? It's Monday. I just ate yesterday. Stop nagging me with breakfast and lunch and dinner. I just fueled up yesterday. Leave me alone with that spaghetti and pasta and whatever healthy food also. Nobody would say that. You need that. Thank you. I need this food. Thank you. That's the difference between a carnal person and a spiritually minded person. The spiritually minded person has the proper appetite, hunger looking to be filled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness that they shall be satisfied. Then Moses inspected all their work. When he found it had been done just as the Lord had commanded him, he blessed them. The blessing of the man of God was the blessing of God himself upon the people. When true servants of God are leading the sheep, the blessing that they bless the people with is the blessing from heaven. The critical factor is true servants of God. Then the divine blessing will flow. When someone goes against the true servants of God and the true body of Christ they're cutting themselves off from you know who? God may the Lord give us understanding to embrace all that he has for us and say Lord I want your glory in my life and I'm not missing even one piece of the inheritance that's coming to me
If you would beautify, Lord, the garments of the priests and the high priest. If you would beautify the new Jerusalem. Oh, if my life is so precious to you, Lord, that you love me and you adorn me with your presence, your glory. I don't want to shortchange myself, Lord. I don't want to grieve you, Lord. I want to come into your presence all the time. And I want to consult you on every decision. My God, if I have to pay a bill, Father, guide my steps. If I have to purchase something, Lord, guide me. Lord, in everything I'm about you and your kingdom, what can I do to build the tabernacle of God? What can I give? If an earthly president can say, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country and mobilize a whole bunch of people into the Peace Corps and other things. How much more should we, by the service of the Most High God, to set people free, to expand the local church and say, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? How can I help, Lord? What can I give? What can I do? I want to see your name magnified in this place and beyond. God said he will expand. It's happening and it will happen on a greater scale. Those who willingly come understanding the joy and privilege of having a hand in God's work, holy hand, will be tapped for greater usefulness. I want to be salt and light, my God, as we heard yesterday. I want to come to your presence, Lord, that every hindrance out of my life is gone, that the usefulness will be there. Divine flavor. The tabernacle add the heavenly flavor for sure. And the people of God ended up being blessed. May God bless you. As we near the end of Exodus, with one more chapter, Lord willing, tomorrow. And then a brief overview of what the Lord had taught us. To stay permanently in our hearts. That we can be what? Holiness unto the Lord. Shall we pray? Father of glory, make us like Bezalel, Ahaliah, men who be anointed along with women, Lord, willing and eager to get to work to build the house of God, the kingdom of God, the church of God, to be actively involved, willingly offer, so that God's name may be made famous in Port Jervis and beyond. Father of glory, I thank you that when we do your will, you will take care of our needs. You are the healer. We praise you, Lord, and glorify you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.